Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's September the 1st. That is apparently the first day of fall. Paul um, Perot okay. is the producer, and he's going to help explain this. No, no, not the first. Okay, it is if you're a meteorologist. It's the first <laughs> day of a, meteorological wanna... <laughs> autumn. <laughs> I'm going to be a meteorologist today okay. and declare that it's the first day of fall. Oh, tell that to a lot. Of, I, I record a lot of the weathers for our stations, and... Like the Twin Cities, 90 degrees. Same thing for yeah. Fargo today. It's going to be very unfall-like. I know. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day is Luke 16, 10 and 11. If you are, hey, we've moved on from Proverbs, notably, because it's a, it's a new month. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't still read Proverbs because they're really good. But today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, notably, is not from Proverbs. It's from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who would entrust you with the true riches of heaven? Okay, so um, I think this is a pretty direct and self-evident teaching and so I am going to um, encourage you to examine your life today. I'm going to do the same. Let's examine our lives today and consider the little things. Let's consider the little things. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth in little things. Love of neighbor as love of self even in the little things. Little things. Let's, let's look for little things today. I read uh, an article in, uh, from the Associated Press this morning. And um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with this. The Pope is Catholic. I know. Now you're saying to yourself, <laughs> okay, Carmen is, is going to be uh, super obvious today. Well, so there's the challenge of finding the right words and how uh, a Catholic pope finds the right words to talk about a war um, being waged under the auspices of the Russian Orthodox Church against the people of Ukraine, largely uh, in terms of ecclesiology governed by uh, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And so uh, if it's been a while since you have thought about or considered the divisions in the church around the world, Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity, and even within Orthodox Christianity, several branches. Um, if you're a Protestant Christian and you pretty much have only thought about the ways in which 
religious institutions and denominations have grown in Protestantism in the United States. It's, you know, we're, we're unique in terms of um, Christianity in the world. So the Pope, who is Catholic, um, you know, is concerned for all people. And when a person dies, he is concerned and considers the person precious, regardless of, you know, who they were or where they died. And so uh, following a car bombing in Moscow last week, um, in which a young woman was killed, the Pope referred to her as poor girl. Well, that upset um, some of the uh, leadership of Ukraine. And so the Ukrainian foreign minister summoned the Vatican ambassador to Kiev last week and told reporters that, quote, the Ukrainian heart is torn apart by the Pope's words. So the Vatican has been trying to address the matter and so issued a statement yesterday. Quote, in recent days, public discussions have arisen about the political significance to attribute to comments made by Pope Francis. The words of the Holy Father on this dramatic question should be read as a voice raised in defense of human life and of the values linked to that and not taken as a political position. Well, of course, is what I want to say. Of course. And then the Vatican goes on. As for the war of wide dimensions in Ukraine begun by the Russian Federation, the interventions of the Holy Father Francis are clear and unequivocal in condemning it as morally unjust, unacceptable, barbaric, senseless, repugnant, and sacrilegious. So, um, again, a reminder that uh, most Ukrainians are not Roman Catholic. The Pope is Catholic. Orthodox Christianity is the um, most significant expression of the faith in Ukraine. And all of this, all of this is a reminder that war is hell um, and that what is happening in Ukraine is um, horrendous. The use of the term sacrilegious is very interesting and curious and I think worthy of consideration as well. It's a reminder to me that the body of Christ in this temporal and terrestrial state is a fractured mess on many occasions. It's also an opportunity for us as Christians to talk about the reality that the church is not divided, but ultimately one, indivisible, eternal, radiant, holy, and unbroken. Hey, our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next. We're going to look at one question. We're going to start with one question. How would you answer this question? Looking ahead at the next 10 years, how likely do you think it is that there will be a civil war in the United States of America? That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson joins us again. He's the rights writer. You can also find him at thewashingtonstand.com. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Always good to be with you. Forty percent of people surveyed said they think it is at least somewhat likely. Fourteen percent say it's very likely, but uh, that there will be a civil war in the United States of America in the next 10 years. That that's pretty staggering um, in terms of people's opinion of, of of what's ahead. 
Well, it absolutely is. It's, it's chilling, and uh, it, it says a lot about the political climate in which we find ourselves. Uh, as you say, this is a new uh, poll from The Economist and YouGov. Uh, I, I wasn't able to quite um, suss out all of these statistics, because if you add it all up, you come up with 114%. So uh, <laughs> apparently there's some, some I think double- the... That's yeah. why I mentioned the 14 percent, because I think the 14 percent of very likely is included in the 40 percent of those surveyed who said it was at least somewhat likely. So if you take I, the I 20. Yeah, if you yeah. take the 29 percent who said it is somewhat likely and the 14 percent who said it's very likely, you get the 40 percent who say it's at least somewhat likely. Yeah. So uh, that's four out of 10, which unfortunately outnumbers those who say it is not likely uh, because you have 22 percent who say they don't know, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a sort of concerning in itself. Right. Uh, do you think America is going to split apart? There'll be active warfare in the street. I don't know. Not sure. Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, concerning in itself. Uh, the same poll, by the way, has about two thirds of the American people saying that political divisions have worsened uh, since 2021 and that political violence has become more common. Uh, over the last two years. So uh, certainly you you can see an intensification of the political boundaries, uh, an intensification of uh, the uh, political uh, sides digging in at one another. And uh, I think that we're going to have a speech a little bit later today from the president that's uh, only going to intensify this. Uh, over the last few days, we've, we've seen uh, one party labeling another a semi-fascist. Uh, at the same point, you've seen the other party label uh, the party in power as communists or uh, abusing their power. And essentially, America is fragmenting, splitting apart into two separate republics, whether that is recognized or not. Uh, the likelihood of that ending up in a hot shooting war, I'm not too certain of. I, I hope that it uh, is something that would stop before we get to that point. But American fragmentation is going to continue for the reason that we've been talking about for so long on this program. Uh, we've talked about it, I, I think, uh, for at least the three or four years that we've been discussing this, which is everything is now a federal issue. The federal government has purview over everything. And when everything becomes a political issue and it's a take all winner takes all uh, winner or lose, uh, there's there's no win win in this. Either I win and you lose or vice versa. And the only way to settle it is at the ballot box that inherently leads to uh, an, an intensified political environment where people begin to hate one another. And there's a perfectly reasonable answer embedded in our Constitution. It's called federalism. Originally, the states were supposed to settle these issues. Uh, The federal government had certain defined powers and prerogatives that it was to look into, but everything else was to be settled within the, at that time, 13, now 50 states. And uh, I will will quote my least favorite founder on this, uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, as much as I enjoy the uh, the play about him, he was he was uh, actually not someone uh, who had a, a very great idea of he wanted to establish a king in this country. So, uh, but none, nonetheless, he said this: human affections, like the solar heat, lose their intensity as they depart from the center. On these principles, the attachment of the individual will be first and forever secured by state governments. So, if we devolve things back turn down the temperature and drain power out of Washington, then these become issues of individual choice. And we can we can disagree reasonably amongst ourselves on these things. But if everything becomes politicized and everything is at the top, I think there's a greater and greater chance of political violence. We're just going to take a pause on that. 
Um, so uh, here's a question for you, uh, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment. But when you look around in your life, when you look at the windows in your house, um, when you look at a, um, a tow truck driving in front of you that doesn't have a car attached to it, when you see the branches of a tree, when you see the veins in a leaf, do you see the cross? I mean, there are crosses everywhere in creation and in, uh, in human-built structures. So what about a pier in the Atlantic Ocean that looks like a cross? Can atheists make a camp, tear it down? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Do you remember? All right, if you've ever been to the ocean and you've walked out onto a pier, what was the shape of the pier? If uh, if boats can attach to it, it might have looked from the sky like a capital T. It might look like a lowercase t. Hmm, which suspiciously resembles a cross if you're angry at uh, everybody. Ben, what's going on here? Yeah, this is uh, coming in from Jersey Shore. Yet another uh, cultural detritus that's come from Jersey Shore. <laughs> so, uh, in this case, the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association uh, in uh, this uh, area of Jersey Shore built a pier, and it looks like a cross if you're looking down from an aerial view. Uh, you have you because have a pier, it's a is... pier, <laughs> exactly. and this is the way you build them, right? Uh, it it okay. sort of reminds me of a, a little, uh, and, and, and there's been tremendous pushback uh, from the surrounding community. This area has always been uh, very heavily tied to the Methodist Church. Uh, matter of fact, it's administered by a group that is basically a church association in this particular area, and it's in the Jersey Shore area, so surrounded by secularists. In fact, the uh, neighboring city has kind of been uh, held out as a, a new gay mecca in Jersey, kind of the San Francisco or Fire Island of that area. So they, they, there's a lot of clash in this area, and so they're looking at this cross, and they, uh, they've they been accused of Christian nationalism and so on, but piers look like crosses. It would be like uh, being upset with a math book because it has a plus sign in it, or being angry with a phone company because the you know, the phone pole oh, looks the like phone, a cross. Oh, yeah, the telephone poles, yeah. 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 So I, back, back when people had landlines. So same idea. Uh, there, there's a... a, a, a old uh, bit about someone who looked at everywhere and everywhere he looked he saw a cross and he he tried to destroy them uh, he he eventually broke down all of the original crosses on churches and then he saw plus signs so he marked those out and eventually he looked at leaves and uh, he saw the veins in certain kinds of leaves and he just went mad because he he realized crosses were part of the natural order 
And crosses should be the part uh, of the natural order because they were all formed by the hands of the one who hung on the cross for our salvation. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't you can't sing head, shoulders, knees, and toes without making the sign of the cross with your body at some point. It's just anyway, you can't hug somebody. I'm just saying. All right, so uh, we're going to leave that story right where it is and encourage people on their social media, in whatever form you have it, snap a picture every time you see a cross. I don't care where it is. I don't care of what variety. Snap a picture of a cross in nature or in architecture, um, you know, somewhere in life, and uh, particularly the accidental or the unintentional ones, right, the ones we consider accidental and unintentional. And just consider all the places where God is putting the cross in front of people today and what that means because you got to confront it. You, gotta, you, you have to respond um, to the cross. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's talk very briefly here about, um, institutions like NPR, media outlets like NPR, National Public Radio, and the New York Times, both of which have run, uh, really long, extensive stories recently on the question of when life begins. And this is a question about human personhood and the direction that the pro-life movement is moving here in the United States of America, um, and obviously their concern um, uh, about that particular um, move in that direction. Yeah, uh, the most recent NPR piece, for example, says that uh, Christian uh, legislatures throughout the country have been defining the beginning of life based more on Christian ideals than on science. What I didn't see in the article, though, were scientists who said that life does not begin at the moment of fertilization, which is, of course, the dominant view of embryologists, uh, always has been. There's a, a wonderful resource, and I think I've cited it a couple of times here, but if, if no one has found it, uh, it's, it's available from Princeton University, princeton.edu. And it simply is a list of embryological textbooks going back as far as the 1970s and as recently as when the website was put up. I don't believe it's still maintained, but uh, you can find more recent examples as well. Quotations from embryologists saying that life begins at fertilization. It's really not much uh, of, of a debate among those who are in the know. And the name of the page is Life Begins at Fertilization. So that's, that's always been when scientists have said life begins. Uh, and at that point, you have a new individual with its own set of DNA, his or her own set of DNA, unique from every other human being. Uh, also, what I didn't see was the Roe versus Wade decision written by Justice Harry Blackman, where he acknowledges if someone uh, is acknowledged to be a person under the 14th Amendment, then abortion has to be illegal because under the 14th Amendment, and I would add under the 5th as well, no one is allowed to be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law. So this is an area on which everything hinges, and yet uh, it's called a debated area when really there is no scientific debate over the origins of life. Uh, it's sort of like when a journalist, if you read a, a story and it says controversial new law, the word controversial means the journalist who's writing the story doesn't like the law. Uh, this is sort of the same idea. There's a debate between science and Christian nationalism, except that the Christians are the ones citing the science books and the scientists are talking about how St. Augustine thought that the quickening was when life began. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting um, conversation for us to engage in as Christians, regardless of our political view or political opinion. Um, we ought to be people who are advocating for life. Um, you know, it's it's God's to create, to God, it's God's to give, it's God's to to take away. Um, and this conversation is relevant not only at the beginning of life, but this is a relevant conversation um, in terms of the end of life. Because if if you can argue 
that a person is not a person until they have some sort of uh, articulation or some sort of, you know, real value in terms of um, their functionality or their ability to perform, then we're not just going to be talking about um, preborn humans. We're going to talk, we're going to be talking about little born humans, and we're also going to be talking about humans at the latest stages of life, uh, late in life. And, you know, and once your functionality or your value to the culture has, uh, has ended, then you're not a person anymore. I mean, if you're not a person when you're conceived, then when do you stop being a person? Yes, and, and I, I would just add, you know, the science really reaffirms the Christian position, which is that Absolutely. God forms life within the womb, that all life is sacred, and that uh, we, we must defend life simply because we are a reflection uh, of the, the very creator himself. We are made in his image and likeness, and we are uh, given this life in order to, to the greatest extent possible, reflect his glory, glorify him, praise him, and uh, become closer and closer to him in the way that we act, think, and speak every moment. So uh, that's that's one of the reasons, by the way, that we need to forgive our enemies and make sure that we don't uh, have that political violence breakout that we spoke about last time by being those who repair the breach. Uh, and the way that we do that is by acknowledging that God loves all human beings, regardless of how big they are, how small they are, how useful or functional or economically exploitable they are, and what their political views are. Hey, Ben, I appreciated um, your your colleague at The Washington Stand, Joshua Arnold, has a piece um, posted there, U.S. Postal Service versus the Christian Sabbath. Former mailman appeals to the Supreme Court. Um, we'll just direct people to WashingtonStand.com so that they can read that uh, that opinion piece, but um, really, really well done. Give give uh, give Joshua a nod uh, a nod from us. We appreciate what he's doing. He deserves all the kudos. A great story mm-hmm. there about uh, the way that we look at the Christian Sabbath. And I would just add that the uh, the gentleman who uh, was uh, asking for the right to take Sundays off because that's his view, that is the traditional Christian teaching, not only of his own denomination there in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, but uh, also of all Presbyterians. Of, uh, of the Catholic Church, the Lutheran larger catechism mentions it. My own church in the Catechism of St. Philaret of Moscow mentions it. So uh, on and on, that's the majority view of most Christians, that we should be resting on, uh, on Sunday and doing good works. That's what we're intended to do. If we're not doing that, I would just encourage us individually. This is an area where society has encroached upon it so much, particularly in sports, and it's an area that we need to take back, because if we don't make time for the Lord, uh, then when we come to the end of our life, uh, we will realize and regret all of the squandered opportunities that we had uh, every uh, every Sunday, 52 Sundays a year. Thank you, Ben. Uh, that's Ben Johnson. You can find him at thewashingtonstand.com. He also tweets at The Rights Writer. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. When you reach September... All of the music today will be September themed. Not today all of is September it. Th- oh, Not okay. all of it. I don't know. I thought you worked very hard, Paul, to find September themed music. It's good. <laughs> that also means, though, that the clock is ticking down on the time that you've got to register for the Strong in Battle online study. Um, registration closes on September the 5th, so tick-tock, tick-tock. You can join Susie Larson for an online study. It's perfectly free. A uh, study of her book, Strong in Battle, Why, Why the Humble Will Prevail. 
Um, and so, you know, get thee to myfaithradio.com and sign up today for the um, Strong in Battle online study. Where do you work and what do you work at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be paid, could be unpaid. Where do you work and what do you work at? As Labor Day approaches, uh, I thought it'd be good for us to consider together how we could be actively praying for one another in the context of our work. So what does it look like to be thankful to God for the work that we have to do before us today and those who employ us to do it? We're going to talk with Kathy Branzell. Um, She's going to help us explore ways that we can pray into and through Labor Day. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Kathy, good morning. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Happy September. Happy September. All right, so if I were to visit nationaldayofprayer.org today, I am going to um, see a new post here on September the 1st. Um, Yep, this evening, yes. All right. You are are getting it fresh and first. (laughs) <laughs> I'm uh, I'm ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. Um and and it's going to there's going to be the prayer focus in September. So talk with us about the prayer focus in September for the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Yes. So, um we pray for business workplace, uh business and workplace um throughout the month of September. Now, that doesn't mean that we quit paying, praying for education like we uh focused on in August. But this is just a way to build your prayer life and um, to really pray fervently in um, all seven centers of influence. And so uh, starting today, we really focus on um, the business workplace uh, sphere. And um, as you'll read in our article that will come out tonight, we're trying to bridge education and business together in this in this weekend of Labor Day because so many Kids haven't gone back to school yet, while others have put in a whole month of hard work or more, and um, really talking about how um, you know education leads to the workplace and how then the workplace can give back to education. We um, here's a bridge for you. We talk with our kids about um, school being their work, like right they yes. they go to school and that is their job. Um, and yes. how they perform in their job and how they respond to authority figures, um, you know, and being on time and being prepared and, um, you know, being having yourself put together, like the way you present yourself. All of that is right. um, is training up a child in the way they should go uh, later in life in terms of valuing work and, and knowing um, knowing those values of the workplace. So I think that's right. all really, really helpful. Um, talk it's with your us now about assignment. Oh, I'm sorry. It's yeah. your, it's no. your now assignment to think this mm-hmm. way, you know, so many times, and I was very guilty of this for a long time. We raise our kids constantly thinking about the future, but ignoring the now. That's why I don't call our younger generation, the next generation, because they're living now. And when you say yes to Jesus, You've said yes to full-time ministry. You are you are a full-time minister now, whether you're a student at school 
or you work um, at a fast food restaurant, or you work in a church, or you work for an organization that serves the Lord Jesus Christ, everything you do, every moment in your life has kingdom mission. And so, you know, we ask questions, what is God saying to you now? Because what he's doing in you and now is preparing for you for the future. And so um, we don't build up to being great or godly in adulthood. Um, we want our kids, you know, four, five, 10, 15 year olds to know your life matters now. And I think that's something important for us to pour into them throughout the school year and beyond. That's so good. It, it, it takes us um, back, Kathy, to actually our Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Luke 16. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest yes. or unfaithful in little things, you're not going to be honest in greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy, you know, about worldly things, you know, who's going to trust you with the riches of heaven? Yes. So I think that yes. that's, a, that's a good connecting point. Um, for us today, as we think about the little things and the little, the littler people, um, and we think about calling and work and the good work that God has prepared in advance for us to do each and every day and each and every moment of each and every day, like mm-hmm. how I'm living in this moment, the little things of this moment, um, they're not little in terms of the way God sees it. I mean, it, it, it's so infinitesimally right. small when I think about like all eternity and when I think about the scope even of human history or when I think about everything that's going on in the world right now, like I am infinitesimally small and the things of my life are, you know, smaller yet. And yet every single one of those and the decisions that I make and how I treat another person matter. Like they matter. Yes. yes. Kingdom matter. That's huge. It's, it's interesting how we will um, we'll make small of ourselves, we'll make small of something like smiling at somebody, treating someone at a store with kindness, letting somebody get in front of you in traffic, just kind of living life in kindness. We'll make small of that, but we'll turn, you know, we'll make mountains out of molehills for our problems. And, and, and we need to reverse those and remember how big our God is and the thing that he calls us to. I mean, just read Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. Uh, those, those three chapters are a whole lot of life and how, um, as you and I have been saying for years, love is a verb. Um, mm-hmm. Righteousness is your condition in Christ. It should be your character in Christ that fuels your conduct in Christ, righteousness, because you're warned not to um, exhibit your righteousness in front of man to get their applause and their approval, because then you've there's no reward in heaven. But um, you will see in the true definition of righteousness, which is uh, he became sin, who knew no sin, that we could become his righteousness. So then in who whose we are and who we are, we walk that out. And that is big because that is obedience to the Lord God Almighty. Every person in every place at every moment who, who is a Christian is in, yep. engaged in active ministry. Um, yes. talk, talk with us about, um, about that because I think that there's just a lot of folks who think about people who are in ministry as one category of mm-hmm. um, 
of work of work like right those are the people right. who work at the church or those right. are the people who work in particular jobs they have titles mm-hmm. that sound ministerial right. um yes. but like, as christians and faith radio so people think <laughs> of you and i and in full-time ministry and so again we hear people pushing their life off and the worth and the days and moments of their life off saying oh well when i retire you know, or, oh, I'm going to do ministry on that one week mission trip this summer mm. I've been saving for. And it's like, um, no, no, no. The moment you said yes to Jesus, I want all of our listeners, I need the whole audience to hear this and to be strengthened and encouraged by this today, because maybe you've been thinking your life doesn't really matter. And um, you were born with so much purpose, with kingdom purpose. Uh, the maker of time does not waste time. There's no someday, it's today. You are in full-time ministry. Jesus taught his disciples, that's us, taught us to pray, commanded us to love, and commissioned us to go and make disciples. Not decision makers, because we tend to orphan the new members of our family very quickly. Disciples, the our behavior, how we treat people, what we do for people when we act in the fruit of the Spirit, showing that the Holy Spirit is working in us. When when you give, uh, just going back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, those chapters, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, talks about our condition, and, and there's deeper words in that original language, but um, you know, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, when you, when you, not if you, when you, uh, this is all just the the light uh, to our path that God says, here's the life I want you to live. And um, so you, you will be very surprised when you look back, when you hear from people who say, you really touched my life. You changed the trajectory of my day, and hopefully we've changed the trajectory of many people's souls. Mm. Um, I love that you highlight there that, you know, we are commissioned to make disciples as we go everywhere all the time. Um, yep. No no excluded environments, no excluded hours or days <laughs> of the week, um, all the time, everywhere. Um, At work and school. Everywhere. Yeah, right. I think that I mean I'm thinking right now of a of a dear friend who um, he he works in a in reinsurance like the the insurance companies that insure in that insure insurance companies, <laughs> and um, yeah, that is not work I want to even think about very much. But you know he's really talented and um, and highly positioned in his company, but his company is actively and ardently sort of. Contrarian in terms of its its cultural worldview, um, particularly mm-hmm. on issues of let's say marriage and sexuality and those kinds of things, um, and so he he recognizes that he's sort of like on hostile ground all the time. He's in a hostile. He is in a in an environment that's actively hostile to his world because we surrendered it because through the decades we slowly said, oh, you know what, work is secular. And church is spiritual. We, we Christians, we the church, Big C Church, we surrendered 
that territory to the enemy. It, it used to be a, a long time ago, you gave your religious um, affiliation in a job interview. Mm-hmm. It it used to be that there and was, that was an valued. expectancy it would have been valued. Mm-hmm. of Christ-like behavior in the workplace. And, and now, because we surrendered that territory and started spouting off incorrectness of my personal life's my personal life and my work life is my work life, um, personal and professional, God doesn't draw a line between those and go, okay, that's yours and this is mine. He gave us our life, our whole our whole, we're supposed to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our strength is our actions every minute of every day. There is no secular and spiritual. It's all just God's. It's all spiritual. Yeah. When we that, walk that, with Christ and we, very... we, we're not going to be offensive. Jesus calls us to gentleness, to kindness, to self-control, um, and, and those kind of things, but we have to quit playing weekend soldier. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'll, it's I'll very Kypernium, yeah. very uh, every square inch. Yeah. Um, well, Kathy, I was thinking uh, about my friend who, because his environment is so hostile, he does see it as, uh, right, as, um, as ministry because yes. he, he absolutely recognizes how uniquely positioned he is as an ambassador yes. of Christ in the, in the midst of uh, a very hostile environment. All right, Kathy and I are going to continue this conversation with you in just a moment. We're going to um we're going to continue talking about praying related to the places that we work and our work environments and the time that we spend at work. We're also going to um be be praying um for, you know, our kids as they return to school uh and teachers and administrators and, you know, all all that's going on there. So, Um, How are you praying? Who are you praying for today? How are you praying for your work environment and the work that is set before you to do? God created good work in advance for each one of us to do today. So part of what we get to do is discover the good works that God um, has set before us. Let's be on the lookout for those. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Nothing wrong with a hard hat and a hammer. Kind of glue that sticks this world together. Hands of steel and cradle of the promised land. God bless the working man. All right, in the spirit of uh, connecting faith to life each and every day, Jessica texted in that she was thankful that we covered a story out of uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and talked about the uh, the challenges that they're having there related to water because um, on the work front, her company's main client is in Jackson, and that gave her the opportunity to reach out to them and check on them and see how they might serve them in the midst of these uh, challenging times. And because she doesn't turn into the mainstream news because it's so toxic, she didn't know what was happening in Jackson. So there you go. Uh, Praying for the people in Jackson, Mississippi, 
Um, that is an ongoing challenge. If you're not aware of what's happening there, they are in a serious water crisis. Um, yes. Like literally they can't drink or even use the water coming out of the tap. Um, and so I want you to think about trying to run a restaurant, trying to run a business, trying to run a school, trying to run a hospital, trying to run your own home um, with yeah. no potable water. And so uh, in, in, you know, in a large city. And so let's be not only a prayerful about that situation, but, you know, ready to render aid. Like, I don't know what that might look like, but, um, you know, we ought, we ought to be the people who help people um, get the resources that they need. So if you know something about that and can do something about that, uh, let me encourage you to act in that direction today. We're talking with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. We're talking about praying into and through not only Labor Day, but through our labor, um, all of our work as unto the Lord. Um, Kathy, when you think about uh, the intersection of education and school and everybody that works in educational environments, um, it's real work. When you think about all of the students who then go and participate in that as their real work, um, we're talking about a massive percentage of the population really going back to work here um, in the next few days. That's right. That's right. And so we need to be prayerful. Um, and and um, we identified, I think it's like 34 different positions in education. You know, many of them unseen and unsung heroes um, in education. And so we're praying for all of them, not just the students and the teachers, but all the support staff, everybody behind them. Uh, same thing is true for the business workplace. And um, just remembering the, the other thing for some of you who are thinking, well, I don't have a job, so this doesn't apply to me. Um, well, we go into stores, we go shopping, we go to the movies, we go to restaurants, we go, we go, we go. And so I want to encourage you. So last month, I think I encouraged you in the school bus challenge. And so every time you see a school bus this year, every time you see a school bus, you pray for education. Every time you drive slowly through a school zone, you pray for that school. Um, even if you have no idea, even if you don't know the name of that school, you can pray for it. You know, we can, we can always pray for people we've never met in places we never step. But now I want to encourage you to, as you go to and fro throughout your day, every place your foot steps, you pray for that business. That you walk into that grocery store and you pray for everyone who's employed there. You pray for the owner. You pray for the managers. You pray for the farmers, for the productions. I mean, just think about how many people, because prayer is about people, not places, but the people in them. And how you can bless them in prayer, in restaurants, uh, at your dry cleaners every day. <laughs> we always say that, you know, um, uh, as everywhere you go, every day along the way, pray. And um, you will be quite the prayer warrior if you are just praying in those two ways. Um, when you talk about a prayer warrior, I think that sometimes when we use language that for those of us who have been in Christian community for long periods of time, you know, it's familiar language and we know what we mean by it. But for people who might be listening who are new to the Christian family um, or are just overhearing this conversation today, um, what does that mean? What, what, what or who is a prayer warrior and what, what does that mean? 
Um, that for those of us who uh, walk in Jesus Christ, we believe we have a enemy, one, not thousands, not tens of thousands. Um, our battle isn't against people. Um, scripture says that uh, that our that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers of darkness and the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenlies. And so think Satan and his army of fallen angels. That's your enemy, not the person that persecutes you at work, not the bully at school, not your neighbor, um, you know, that there's extra grace required living next door to them. They are being held captive. If they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to think of them as a prisoner of war, not your enemy. And so as a prayer warrior, when we start speaking to God, we are immediately taken to the throne room of heaven. And even as our words are hanging in the air, God is commanding his angel armies to get to work. God is preparing hearts and the path for the work that needs to be done. And that work includes us. But we take our um, our daily steps, our commands from God. And so we incline our ear and listen to him just as we know he listens to our prayers. And we walk in that way. And so as a warrior, you're a worshiper. Um, but in prayer, you pray higher um, thoughts. You pray outside this atmosphere. And then God comes and affects and protects and provides an answer to our prayer. And therefore we are fighting the real enemy and not turning on one another and causing more destruction here on earth. Mm. Kathy, as always, um, thank you so much. Um, thank you for your tenderness. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for um, the strength of your witness and for the time you give us each and every month uh, here on Mornings with Carmen. We deeply appreciate it. It's a privilege. I challenge all of you to be praying for Faith Radio, praying for Carmen, praying for this station every single day as you tune in. God bless you guys. Thank you so much, Kathy. That's Kathy Branzell. You can find her at nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, Shirley from Wisconsin says her church has a plaque as you leave the sanctuary that says you're now entering the mission field. I've seen uh, churches that have signs posted at the exits of the parking lot that say the same thing. Well, let me say to you today, wherever you're going, you're entering the mission field right now. Look around. Those are people God wants to reach. And you're the person he's sending. That's the work set before us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.